This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the southernmost point of dawn to the lands of always winter and what is west of Westeros and their shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk, and I'm Ken Napsok. Uh, getting back up on the uh, the dragon, getting back up on the horse. Uh, it took an unplanned... Are they are they ever planned hiatuses when you run a podcast? Sometimes you're just like, I can't do it anymore. I, I, I got to take a break, and uh, we are in the middle of the rewatch. We are still getting ready to really ramp up our, our season four rewatch. Uh, but last time out, we had some news we want to talk about, uh, about Duncan Egg, and it was a kind of a last-minute show, and I, I brought my friend Alden Diaz on, and uh, we had some fun talking. And then, uh, you know, I took a little break. But now, New Year, we're back. We got people in chat like our, our friend Victor Bracamantes. We got Ranger Donald. We love uh, having y'all check in. Crafted Jedi's here. We love having Jedi, all the faiths represented here today. So we are going to have a quick show, get the podcast kicked off for the new year. We got some news we're playing kind of catch up on. And yeah, I can't do that alone. And so I did what I did last time. Very last minute. It was like, hey, Alden Diaz, boom. Do you want to come on and talk some Game of Thrones news with me? And I came from uh, from across the narrow sea in, in a barrel. I came the other way. You get you get this way. I, I met you in the middle, completely drunk, and, and th- was throwing up. And I said, "Yeah, I'll do it." Are we? I think um, you and I are somewhere in the summer aisles, just having a good time. Oh, you would hope. I mean, especially with the way things are now, like exile is the way. Exile is the way. Like indeed. that's what you want. Will McLean here as well. Uh, well, uh, since just remember, House of the Dragon comes out this year. Yes. Heath Jones is here. Hello, Heath. What up? What up? And then uh, Victor, it's this great comment. Uh, Alden, I think you would appreciate this one. Hey, Ken and all. Stuck in a meeting, but excited to listen to this instead. That, Victor, is how you do it. <laughs> I love that it's not listen to it later. Listen to it instead. <laughs> instead. I have never attended a meeting that I didn't want to get out of during the meeting. So uh, I really respect that there. Alden, uh, how you doing? We always talk Star Wars. You, of course, got the Octo Radio Star Wars podcast, uh, mm-hmm. uh, among a lot of the things you do in the uh, broadcasting business. But uh, did you have any Game of Thrones, House of uh, the Dragon, uh, you know, Song of Ice and Fire Christmas uh, experiences? Um, not experiences directly, although part of this will tie into a story um, with Peter Dinklage and, and Cyrano, his adaptation yes. oh, yeah. of Cyrano that's coming out. So that's why we're going to talk about him later on in the episode because he's been doing press. Yeah. Um, but I, I always watch like Graham Norton and stuff. So like yeah. those holiday episodes are always fun and seeing him on and things like that. So it's just been a lot of catching up on all yeah. my Oscar movies and things like that. So having yeah. Peter in there and and yeah. having uh, Amelia Clark at least in likeness in comic book form. Right. Um, so those people are always relevant in your life. <laughs> yeah, Game of Thrones will not leave us. Song of Ice and Fire will not leave us. And that's why we're here talking about it. And yeah, and like Will McLean said, we are we are in the year of House of the Dragon. Alden, that's kind mm-hmm. of crazy. I, I almost haven't to wrap my head around the fact that there actually will be a new Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, World of Ice and Fire, whatever you want to say, uh, that GOT universe show. We're going to have one in 2022. You and I already have so much Star Wars to talk about. we got some Game of Thrones to talk about. I know. I mean, we're going to hit the point, and we briefly touched on this last time I was on. We yep. will hit a point in the next calendar year from now where I'm going to have to say, Ooh, that Game of Thrones is going to have to wait because I have to catch up on my Lord of the Rings. Oh, I have to catch up on my Star Wars. I have to catch up on my Marvel. I yeah. never thought that we'd get here. So it is that is insane. 
And I always go back, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm so happy that uh, a, a young, uh, young person like you, with all your hopes still in front of you, uh, is is a, is alive and kicking in during this time where it's, it's you know it's never easy to be a nerd about some of this stuff. I get that, but uh, where I could never have imagined this growing up in the '80s. Like I had a lot of toys and TV shows, but I was told to leave it behind. I was told that is something of your youth, and now here it is everywhere you look. That's a great time. That's a great thing. Yeah, yeah. We I never thought that some of the conversations I would be having um with other people in my life. Like my mom watched all of Game of Thrones. Could could couldn't tell you the name of a single character. Yeah. But she had a great time. That's all awesome. a great time in the same way she did with Dexter or anything like that. Yeah. She just thought it was it's crazy. It's so exciting. And hey, you know, love so, it. Hey. Love it. I've been watching Dexter New Blood too. That's a different podcast, different show. So having a lot of fun there. Ranger Don has a question that we're not I don't think we can answer quite yet, but after our second news story, we might have some clues. Uh, Reggie Donald says, uh, do you think it'll be the first half or second half of the year for House of the Dragon? I, I think we're looking at uh, second half. What do you think? Yeah, I think it'll be second half. If for any re- if for any other reason than Game of Thrones being gone sort of created a vacuum in the top of the year mm-hmm. that I mm-hmm. think we're seeing filled by your, yeah. I mean, 2021, WandaVision, Falcon, Loki, um, Obi-Wan is probably spring, all signs, you know, we don't really know. But I think that fall is sort of like this period where it's like we haven't quite hit Oscar movies and other things. So it's like you can get in there. I can't think of a premium show that starts then. So, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. And, you know, Game of Thrones itself had generally had that springtime kind of lockdown. I always remember having to um, hope that the first episode of Game of Thrones wasn't on the same night as WrestleMania. For a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was a big problem. Yeah. I wonder, Huge how it's problem. Gonna, wonder if they're going to take Sunday again. But with streaming, my mom is yeah. watching, uh, and just like that, a Sex in the City story. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. They, they, they literally did the a Star Wars story branding, but for Sex in the City. Uh, and that's coming out on Thursdays, as we know. Marvel and Star Wars have staked out Wednesdays. Yep. So they could kind of do whatever they want now. Yeah. Hey, look. Don't don't forget in 2015, a lot of the conversation was how how could they possibly dream of putting a Star Wars movie in December? And that is now kind of what we almost view as tradition for Star Wars movies outside of Solo. Uh, Ranger Donald has a follow up here. I would just like to know so I can buy a bigger TV beforehand. That's not a bad tactic. Bigger TV, correct color settings. (laughs) Yeah. Miguel will come for you. That's right. That's right. Miguel Sabachnik will come for you. Maybe we should all tweet him and be like, could you just, because you and your DPs let us know what we need for our TVs. Please let what us know. What are the settings? And honestly, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because the other yeah. day I was watching, um, who shared it? It might've been uh, Hector Navarro, mm-hmm. who, who we know, Nerdist yeah. and, and Hyper, Hyperheroes. It was Tom Cruise for like the Mission Impossible movies, him and Christopher McQuarrie. Yeah. They did a little PSA about the settings, the best settings ah. that everything should be on. I think that they should do that for House Look. of the Dragon. You know, it take off that motion, uh, motion smoothing. Yeah. Uh, get in there with the right colors because Miguel is more involved with this show than he was yeah. even with thrones yeah and look i'm so I'm, I'm not even saying this to needle him let's just do this let's get ahead of any kind of argument because i've always mm-hmm. said in, in looking at uh, uh the long night episode i just dumb effing luck had my tv i don't change any of the settings i know yeah, all the things the terms you're saying i know them i couldn't find them I, that's where my maybe my age generation gap problem comes in and i just had dumb effing luck had the right settings Battle looked clear, saw everything I needed to see, and was confused. But I did see some other footage and other people that I know. I, I it's a, It was a legit problem. I totally get it. Yeah, so I think that that's where we're going to be headed with TV talk. So yeah. make sure that you are ready. Make sure that you are ready. Well, uh, before we look ahead, let's look in the past here. This now, Alden, you and I, we understand the broadcasting game. We have to, you know, uh, try to remain fair and balanced. Those are those are words that I've heard are important. I don't know if they're always adhered to, but uh, they're words that are out there. Um, I, uh, I, there's no secret. I think all of us watching are, are fans of uh, Peter Dinklage, pa- fans of Peter Dinklage as uh, Tyrion Lannister. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did a pretty good job with the role. Would you say, Alden? I think he did pretty good. I would say that out of. Uh all of the characters, he was definitely uh, one of them. No, he, he was great. I mean, he's he was incredible. He's the 
I, for me at least going, cause I didn't know about the books before the show started. Right. I think that Dinklage as Tyrion was the one where people were talking about it casually in, in my life. Like I would yeah. be in high school and I would hear people say like, mm. Oh, and there, then there's, then there's this Tyrion guy and he, and he's yeah. like the, the sarcastic one. Like you would hear about him sort of thrown out first before you would hear anything else. I, I, yeah, no, I agree with that. I, you go back to season one, but not just season one, go back to season one in 2011, mm-hmm. uh, seven episodes or so before, you know, uh, well, nine before, um, you know, Ned becomes the talking point at the water yeah. cooler in a big time moment. I think, yeah, John and Danny, definitely there. But there was this thing of Tyrion almost being the point of view character for us, despite being a Lannister, despite coming from that money, despite being clearly flawed. He was the one kind of giving us the truth on the lay of the land, uh, both yeah, to John and, and us. And then on, on the real life level, it was a, a massive, massive. What is the word? A watershed moment, like a yeah. phrase, a watershed moment for a representation mm-hmm. um, for Peter, who had said yeah. that he wasn't going to do fantasy dwarves anymore. He yeah. wasn't going to do the be the butt of the joke like he is an elf. Right. Um, probably the only thing in Elf that really hasn't aged well is that scene right. with him. And for him to get that part, you know, in a just world where we didn't judge people mm-hmm. by their size or, or skin color or anything like that, Dinklage has the swagger to play space cowboys. He yeah, has yeah. the swagger to play heroes and stuff. And finally, yeah. that was able to come in in such a complex part. Uh, absolutely. Which, um, leads us to what, uh, he's been saying lately. Now I, I have, um, cited in this show a lot to the point where I'm sure it's, it's sickening to people. Uh, his, um, his comment that I, I, I paraphrase, I should probably just get it tattooed. So I remember, but just this <laughs> comment he had said about, about two and a half years ago after, uh, you know, the controversial, and I absolutely acknowledge it was a controversial final season of Game of Thrones yeah. of his idea of just like, you know, tell we were telling a story. There was great purpose behind it. And maybe at the end of the day, in that very Dinklage way, you shouldn't have got a, a tattoo of the dragon lady after three or four seasons. You should have waited to see what we were doing um i i cheered very loudly on that day and i still cheer for that quote but it seems though alden uh and i want to get your thoughts on just that quote and again i'm not i'm paraphrasing the quote um but also uh it seems uh you know i don't know i i i i just always understood and really appreciated his point of view on that i think it's a, an important point of view in real life and it's an important point of view in fiction Obviously, we both go to Star Wars. I think mm-hmm. it's a lesson that people just learn, like uh, being a kid my age, looking up to Anakin Skywalker, and then seeing Revenge and being like, uh, "Oh, oh, <laughs> oh!" So that, um, so there's that element, yeah. and then uh, on a real life level, we've all idolized somebody that ended up being not great, mm-hmm. and and celebrity capacities and stuff, and so you have to approach from both of those angles, both with a show that maybe a show won't turn out the way you want it to. You have to live with that and with characters. And yeah. I think that it was a, it's a balanced take. Um, but again, said with Peter's uh, sarcasm, you know, he, there's a reason why he was good for that role. Yeah. He's very, he's sharp and he's sarcastic. He's got a little that East coast edge that I love and, and just kind of says it. And, and maybe so they come off as barbs. Uh, sometimes, um, and, and, you know, I'm here for having all the discussions. Again, i fully, fully aware that not everything worked in season eight for everyone and not everything may have worked in season eight. And I, 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 I get that. And we're having fun on this rewatch, going back and finding what's in the story, connecting to those themes beyond, but beyond that, what the show was communicating early on. And I believe season three is so key to that, so key to what they were doing, mm. setting John and Danny's goals, setting Danny up for failure. And, and a lot of the story for me is the way the world treated Danny and Cersei and a lot of those characters. But uh, yeah. we'll have the discussion more there. Um, all then, uh, I'm going to pull some of his quotes because he, uh, while promoting Cyrano, because uh, this always happens, an actor goes out uh, to promote something. And of course, if you're in a big franchise like Game of Thrones, Marvel, Star Wars, or you're an old director, you're going to get questions about uh, those properties or do you want to direct them? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just the way it works. So uh, speaking here, I'm just going to pull some of these out here. I'm just going to, here's what I do, Alden. I'm just going to read, I'm going to read these three big quotes, okay? Part of this larger interview. And then we'll dive in, okay? Then I'll kick it yes. to you. Uh, he said, I'm, 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 I'm trying to give some context, but like, I just, I just, I just literally copied and pasted them and I just love, I've just been reading them. Uh, since they, talk about the season eight reaction in the, in the fan base, <laughs> they, 
They wanted the pretty white people to ride off into the sunset together. He, he starts there. He starts there. He says, by the way, it's fiction. There's dragons in it. Move on. Adding after a laugh. He's laughing. Uh, no, but the show subverts what you think, and that's what I love about it. Yeah, it was called Game of Thrones, but at the end, the whole dialogue when people would approach him in the street was, who's going to be on the throne? I don't know why that was their takeaway, because the show really was more than that. And put a pin in that. I do want to talk about that one in a second. Um, mm-hmm. Then he says, one of my favorite moments is when the dragon burned the throne because it just sort of killed that whole conversation, which is really irreverent and kind of, a bri- kind of brilliant on behalf of the show's creators. Shut up. It's not about that. Uh, he said uh, uh, they constantly did that where you thought one thing, they delivered another. Everybody had their own stories going on while watching the show, but nobody's was as good as what the show delivered, I think. He does live a, leave a little room for opinion there. Oh, then I'm just going to kick – I'm going to dump all that onto your desk here like we're having a meeting. I've dumped it all on your desk. Sift through what you want to start with. <laughs> Uh, I, I love this on so many different levels. The first level on the Peter level, just the way he is. Yeah. For people yeah. I don't know, Dinklage used to be the frontman for a punk band. Yes. Like he's he's got a background in <laughs> in sort of a stick it to the man attitude. Yeah. Um and and he's had to have that, you know, being yeah. in, in in a game where he was looked at so differently. Yeah. Um so it always cracks me up, especially now that he's passed it. Yeah, that he and that he's also standing by the work, standing yeah. by his friends, you know, because there's there's definitely the people that mm-hmm. did their job, did it well and moved on. Yep. Um, but then there are people that are I don't want to call them like in camps, but there are like Benioff and Weiss, like friends, yep. people like Jason Momoa and Amelia Clark that are mm-hmm. hosting from Benioff's birthday party and like that they are friends. And I think yeah. that Dinklage has always had a good relationship with them. And yeah. it doesn't surprise me that he's proud of what he did. Um, a little, probably a little bit easier to be Tyrion and some of that, yeah. you know, than, than it would, would be to be Amelia uh, right. if she was being asked these same questions. Totally. So that's, there's that conversation too. Yep. Um, yep. I think that it's, it's funny. And I think that he's also bringing up a great point. I love the throne moment too. I understand that's all about taste. Yeah. Um, but look at Star Wars. It's about peace. Uh, Lord of the Rings named for its villain, not its heroes. It's not yes. about the Lord of the Rings. Um, I think that we put way too much stock into titles sometimes. Yeah. Um, like I, I, to this day, I, I still get to the end of return of the King. And when Frodo says the Lord of the Rings, I'm like, I mean, that's Sauron. <laughs> yes. Interesting choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, <laughs> so game of Thrones, yeah. I never for a second thought that it was about that, especially mm. when you get into break the wheel talk, not that yeah. Yeah. it was necessarily successful, but I think it was constantly from the get way before that. Let's go to let's go to the pilot. Yeah, uh, the king poops. I'll say poops. The hand wipes. Yeah, yeah. Like they were always telling you where power was, where power wasn't. Yeah. So I think it tracks on every level. Yeah. No, uh, I'm right there with you on all this stuff here, including just Dinklage's delivery and attitude. And I think you can take it. Take it from that point of view a little bit of just Dinklage, Dinklage the punk rocker is a great way to look at it. Um, but I also think he speaks some truth as an artist. But also, I understand there was some pushback on some of it, uh, not pulling up the direct tweets. But I, I do agree or understand the pushback because I, uh, you know, it's called Game of Thrones. Um, that it was in the marketing. I mean, going into one of the seasons, it literally played upon that. Now, that's not Dinklage, that's not even Benioff and Weiss. Uh, that's yeah. HBO. Uh, I'm sure maybe they have yeah. a mem- memo comes across the desk. Who knows? But I understand. And that kind of is an easy way to have these discussions. I was hosting the show over at uh, Screen Junkies Plus for a while. Uh, me and Lon uh, would pr- produce that show. And at the end of every episode, we did a uh, odds on who's going to take the throne. It was fun, tongue in cheek. Uh, having a, having yeah. fun with the concept, but it, it, it was kind of an easy talking point. You know what I mean? Am I wrong there? No, I, th- I think that, you know, it's a lot of the times it is easy to package those things. You know, you and I are both wrestling guys and there's the constant yeah. debate. Like, does the title make the man? Does the man make the title? Right. Like, was it the fact And you're, and that you're talking they, about Becky Lynch, right? So, yeah. The man, yeah. the actual man. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like, it, it sort of depends on A, the viewer, what you were invested in, what your favorite storyline was. If your favorite storyline was something like, uh, you know, the rise of Rob Stark, then I understand maybe you had a harder time or if it was, you know, if you're, again, if your favorite character was Danny, that's probably the prime example. Yeah, it Um, is. But it's easy sometimes to package those things with like, and now they're the champion and now they have the throne hashtag for the throne. (laughs) Wasn't that, I think it was season eight or season seven. Yeah, that was it. That was it for the throne. So it's like, they, they totally did do that. 
But then like any good wrestling feud or just any protagonist, mm. it's about the build. Yep. And I think that we haven't trained ourselves for the build at all. That was the thing with Boba Fett, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, uh, nothing happened in that first episode. It's like, really? Because I think a ton happened. You just yeah. didn't get a Grogu moment. You didn't get a shock. Yeah, yeah. And there, I think that episode ended with, uh, instead of get him getting Grogu to change his life, he got his own life to change his life. I think that's the reveal there. Yeah. And look, it, and, and I think you can take these in all the ways. I think you can have fun having those water cooler and bar and party conversations of who do you think is going to be on the throne. I think the show asked mm-hmm. that, and I think that's fair. And that's why I, I agree with some of the pushback against Dick Lynch's comments, even though, you know, he says some of it with, with a laugh, but you know his artist's heart is speaking the truth here. Because also, he's right. If you go back and, and read Really dig into the show. This, I'm someone who's, uh, you know, rewatched it in, in its entirety, what, eight, nine, ten times, and then individually watched just a lot of episodes all over, as well as being a book reader and everything. And and, and we're, we're talking about the show, by the way. Who knows yeah. what the books will do. But even going to, to Jorah early on, season one, like, the, 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 the small folk don't care about your Game of Thrones. They don't care about that. That is, you know, a, a small right. man can make a big shout out. That, that, they were saying that along the way in small mm-hmm. details, even though it wasn't the headline. Yeah, there was tons of different perspectives that made the world so rich, all of whom had one thing in common, which was the throne doesn't matter. From highborns like Jamie that saw the game from the inside and knew that it was the hand that wiped to people like Baelish that knew what the actual game was, be that through money, be that through marriages and alliances uh, Varys, of course, for the realm, yeah. uh, the Brotherhood Without Banners, Beric, who's my favorite. Yeah. Um, seeing things on that mystical level of purpose, Melisandre. There's all these perspectives and none of them are about the throne. <laughs> no, no, none of them really are. And and I, I think even if you break down uh, and we've talked about it here, but, you know, George R. R. Martin being uh, this kind of um, child of the 60s in a, in a way growing up during that era. And I, I wouldn't say he is... Um, uh, that he was pro-war <laughs> and much yeah. like, you know, Joseph and I talk over in Force Center, Joseph's uh, one, of, one of his favorite things to analyze is the tension in Star Wars between wars and wars not making one great and how this that's the story about. I think George has got a lot of uh, statements in, in his story here about what war does to people in the pursuit of power and the pursuit of the throne. And I always go to Stannis. I think Danny's fair to that. So anyways, all that to say. I do want to think some of the pushback, I think, was I understood it. I really understood it, uh, even though he was kind of saying this off the cuff in an interview. I'm not holding him to the flame for this. Of but course, if yeah. you're out there going, hey, Dinklage, calm down for the mm-hmm. throne marketing. I don't necessarily think you're wrong there, you know? No, not at all. And I think that another point that we've both experienced uh, being in big fandoms and stuff mm-hmm. is because it must be so peaceful to be like a quantum leap diehard or like, <laughs> like, like, like a diehard, like quantum leap was a good show. A good Metal show. gear solid. Just like anything that just like had its day and we, we kept going. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to be in these big ones, I understand that part of the pushback on him might be like people that love him, people that love Tyrion, people that have a good and bad opinions, but then yeah. they think, oh God, I was finally at peace. And now an actor is talking like we've all had that moment. You don't even see what they say. You know, sometimes a friend will text me and they'll say, Oh, did you see the Daisy Ridley interview? Like just to pick a person. And I'm like, Oh no, no. Did I, what, what happened? Like, you immediately are like, oh, this is going to be a talking point. Yeah. So yeah, no, yeah. And, and look, and and I think we all do. Uh, whether you you try to avoid it or not, you might align with comments as you n- need to align for your point of view. And I'm not saying I'm manipulating Dinklage's words to prove my point that I think season eight's great, which I do, and I stand behind loving that season. But it's easy yeah. to look at it and go, yeah, he's right, and and I have less to fight about here. So I guess I'm just trying to acknowledge anyone out there going, hey, you know, I had I I thought I had some pretty good ideas of what I wanted to happen to Tyrion. And John and Daenerys, and I was a little bummed. I, I think that's still absolutely legit uh, point yeah, there. I, I was a ride or die. Uh, Jamie will become the Queen Slayer. He's going to ride yeah. down there and kill her and be a hero. I, mm. I, I'm still, I'm still reeling from shock about a few things, but yep. I didn't write it. So. Didn't write it. Yeah, and again, we always preach about it. You know, engaging with the story that's presented. That's uh, you know, uh, Scrimshaw led us over and forced center into that kind of uh, vein of thinking, and and I still. I still find that the most rewarding for me. It doesn't have to be for everyone there. But also, I don't think he's he's not wrong about uh, when he's talking about uh, Drogon burning the throne. And again, there was a whole thing that came about the script that the that in this in the script notes uh, the throne didn't mean anything to the dragon and everything. 
that script to screen is not necessarily the the, the intentions don't translate. It's it, the choices of the actors, no. the choices of the directors, uh, and once you actually get to the editing and the CGI, I think what Peter is saying there is is true about that scene, and that was to me a big uh, a big thematic uh, comment in the in the final season and episode. Scripts are a technical expression of art, and then you are also making it again. And then you're making it again in the edit and it's a constant riffing and like throwing pizza dough, like scripts are not, I mean, sometimes the differences are so striking or sometimes they're clearly just there to guide. I believe the princess bride script when Inigo and Wesley duel, it just says best sword fight ever. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, we'll figure it out. You know, because that's so it does. That's not like, wow, what a lazily written sword fight. Like it came out the way that it needed to with the art. So I think we put too much like like the duel the fate script got ragged on and I don't really enjoy it. But there are some things in it where I'm like, that's just script shorthand. Like, leave that alone. Let's talk about this stuff. So, yeah, there's yeah some things in there I love, some things I absolutely despise. But we didn't we that's not the movie that's out there. Uh, (laughs) It doesn't it only exists in the ether. Yeah. Necessary rage. Um, uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I always the example, the easiest, big all time film example to give on that kind of stuff is the uh, Casablanca had no ending, uh, essentially, when they were shooting it. Uh, So that that turned out. Okay. Um, anyways, in summary on some of this uh, Dinklage stuff, I, I, I just, I do just love it because it, it is a little bit of a, of a man just kind of wanting to watch the world burn in a way of like he believes everything yeah. he's saying, but he's just like kind of like, hey, here's what it is. Take it for, take it or leave it from me. I was there, uh, but hey, it's, just, it's dragons. Enjoy your dragon shows best you can, and uh, let's all move on. I got Cyrano coming out. <laughs> Yeah, and and I like that he approaches it still with appreciation for the time, and like yeah. not that any of yeah. us are entitled to that. You know, he like yeah. I was when we were saying in text, he could go full Harrison, or at least how Harrison was yeah. for a long time, uh, if he wanted to, and that's his right. Um, yeah, you know, Stephen Delane, as you've noted, and I've, as the as behind the scenes material notes, yeah, probably it, not going to show up for the con in <laughs> Vegas. Probably not going to. <laughs> Probably not going to the official Game of Thrones con, Stephen Delaney. Nope, probably, nope, nope, probably not going to do a signing. But if, I, if I ever you know, run into, like, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, if, if well, if ten years from now they can convince someone at HBO to follow up on these characters for a movie or something, I think Dinklage will come back. Yeah, oh, Kit will come back. So it's like there are these people that like yeah. that was something I did. It was fun, and now I'm here. Yeah, no, they, 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 you can tell it was life changing for for all of them. Yeah, if I ever run into Stephen Delane, like I've run into, I've 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 all the properties out there in the world that I've covered or watched or enjoyed. I've I have been around and run into more Game of Thrones cast members than any of them, thanks to Comic Con mostly. Stephen Delane, not at Comic Con, uh, but I, if I ever run into him, the last thing I'm ever going to ask him about is Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, you're like, so when you played Jefferson, yeah, I'll be like, I, I enjoyed your take <laughs> on Jefferson, <laughs> and he'll be like, why are you wearing a Burning Heart sigil T-shirt? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> no. Don't ask me about salt and smoke. <laughs> no salt and smoke. I do want him in a Star Wars though. I do want oh, Stephen Delane to be some stern chancellor, uh, not Sith. I don't want to be Sith. I want some some complicated, you know, comment on power and the pursuit of power. I think he'd be a great, you know, High Republic's on the brain if he yeah. was a guy in like the meetings with the chancellor that is like clearly <laughs> the your great works are dumb. Like we yeah. need to strengthen like one of those yeah. uh, senators would be great. Yeah. The iron throne is mine by right. Uh, next story. We are, uh, like I said, up top, we are all excited for this wonderful show coming out. House of the dragon. I say wonderful. Cause I'm just going to assume it is. I still love sharing these uh, shots from the trailer. Absolutely love them. Absolutely love everything about them. That, and, oh, let me get back. That's a great shot. Love those what we're costumes. seeing. Yeah. The costumes, everything about them. Um, uh, the details uh, that we got here. Uh, but uh, I was, uh, I, I got to tell you, I, I like these kind of stories here. And, you, you know, again, take it for take it for what you want. Take it for what it's worth here. Uh, the one and only George R. R. Martin. You know, he's got some thoughts. He's got some thoughts on this property. You know, he should have a blog. He should have a blog. Uh, you know, say uh, not a blog. 
I'm just going to read what he posted on December 29, 2021. <laughs> uh, without permission, George, I apologize. Uh, he does say, um, I, I got to confess, I was chuffed, which is, by the way, one of my favorite words. I say it a lot. When our Chihuahua Baxter gets in a happy mood, <laughs> I just look at him and go, are you chuffed? Are you a little chuffed Chihuahua? So I appreciate the use of that word. It's on. It's up there with hubris. It's some of my favorite words. Oh, yeah. That's a key word. Yeah. Uh, I have got to uh, confess, I was chuffed to read that the most anticipated new show, according to IMDb, was drumroll please house of the dragon uh he does uh, tag to movieweb.com eh, let's not do that um there's a hell of a list that's a hell of a list to be on top of uh, george wright's amazon's new tolkien series neil gaiman sandman marvel shows star wars shows good company i'm anticipating house of the dragon pretty eagerly myself for what it's worth okay i'm hardly objective he says and i know a lot of uh, and i know a lot of what you'll be seeing i am um, wrote the book also mum's the word now don't tell anyone i've seen a rough cut of the first episode and i loved it it's dark it's powerful it's visceral just the way i like my epic fantasy ryan and miguel have done an amazing job in the cast just as with game of thrones most viewers only have heard a few of the actors but i think you uh, are going to fall in love with a lot of them uh, only to have your heart broken later but no that would be telling uh, i think the targaryens are in very good hands anticipate away i do not think you will be disappointed wonderful words but also alden dangerous words to get us hyped up i think there what do you think about george hearing these thoughts Dangerous, juicy. I, I love, I, again, I don't know what it is about me. If it's the characters I like, if it's the yeah. growing up, like doing like theater or whatever, but I love a, someone that hypes themselves to a healthy degree. <laughs> someone that like is a, is a good promo. As yeah. you'd say, like he, yeah. he, George drinks his own Kool-Aid in a, yeah. in a healthy way, louder than the other George Lucas. Yeah. Um, but in a way that is like playful, like for yeah. him to say like, Oh yeah, I was number one. There was also Tolkien and Gaiman and all these people, but yeah. I, yeah, <laughs> I was the, like some of them dead, some of them living. Uh, and for him to just like claim a little a little victory way in advance is very funny. Um, yeah, but also then there's the what is he really saying? Like getting to the <laughs> what like, does he mean? Does he like? I'm waiting for the tweet that's like. He said he liked this. Yeah. Therefore, he did not like, you know, yeah. seasons five through eight. Right, um, right. But him saying that this is the kind of fantasy he likes tracks because yeah. Fire and Blood is sort of the, when, pe when people out there in the culture say, I love Game of Thrones because I love the scheming. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the politics. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of scheming. Yeah. Um, a lot of intrigue and stuff. So I, it's very exciting. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's back on on screenplays for this show. If he's going to be yeah. hands on again, but I am. I'm just I'm that. excited that he's excited because also yeah. a lot of creators don't do that. Like yeah. we see George Lucas in footage doing visits, yeah, but nobody is able to get the time with him. Yeah. And even if they did, would he answer? Like, what did you think of uh, Mandalorian season two, George? You'd probably say oh, I visited and they <laughs> they were doing good work. Like, I'm, I'm going to go to Sabaro. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I agree with you on this, and yeah, including George uh, George's playfulness, uh, playfulness with his own identity. He knows who he is. He's aware who he is, but he also, I think, is aware that that's it doesn't mean anything in the long run of life. I think there's, he's a great cross between uh, uh, very, uh, very sure of himself and uh, very, very aware of, of the big picture. Like I said, so, but I, I, I do enjoy him saying this. It does get me excited. Um, he is respectful for the most part, unless his agent is speaking to a, a person writing a book. Uh, <laughs> he's respectful to the mo most part to Dan and Dave. I, re I really believe that. I, I really think uh, at the end of the day, he enjoyed what they did a lot. Uh, it's just uh, I think he can't help but I don't know him. I just think he can't be help but be swayed by some of the public opinions and – if I was writing a, you know, if I was writing a book and you made in Alden, you made a movie of it and people didn't like your version, I'd be like, hey, I, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Um, yeah. uh, I would hopefully hope I would hope I would do it in a better, um, you know, the most respectful way possible. Again, not saying George did anything. Yeah, right these are not like this is not an isolated phenomenon. I mean, look yeah. at Stephen King with like yeah. half of the Stephen King movies. It feels yeah. like every other one he likes and every other one you won't touch. Like, yeah. So. Yeah, and, and and look, Lucas has you know there, he he's been a little uh, scornful at times, only because they think uh, it, it the transition to the next phase of his life was both what he wanted, but also is completely uh, you know uh, entirely. It's just a difficult thing to give that up. So George isn't giving it up; he's involved, and I I I, I don't think. 
you know, learning to speak George, uh, which includes lots of descriptions of, of eel pie, I, I, I read between the lines. I think he he's just uh, he, he's really content and, and feels as though they get his version. And I'm, again, not saying that has anything to do with Game of Thrones, because I think they got his version, too. But this thought, take it's dark, it's powerful, it's visceral, just the way I like my epic fantasy. Um I want to hone in on that a little bit, uh, Alden, because uh, that really gives us a, 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 a hint to what is coming. It is it is mm-hmm. going to be probably what we do want out of this kind of series. Uh, we we don't we do want to have our our hearts broken. We do want to see some beheadings. We do want to have our question our loyalty questioned to certain characters, and and I think that's what he's saying in that. Yeah, I think that it's important. You know, we're talking about sort of the context of George. It's also important to note with all of this stuff that for George, this is also like more so than I wanted to be a writer. I became one and a successful one. It's also like a a real true nerd dream come true. Like it's well documented. Like you can find like George Martin letters in the back of old Fantastic Four and old Doctor Strange and stuff. So like he's constantly had... The, the desire to be in this world. He's had thoughts on how people told their stories. You know, yeah. he has his very public thoughts on like Tolkien and like certain happy endings and things like that. Right. So it's, it's all of this context in the man so that him saying this about like the darkness and stuff and what we want for our characters, it's really, I feel like it carries almost extra punch because he has such a clear desire that has been built up over so many decades of how he likes this stuff ins and outs, all of his unsung contributions, like writing the beauty and the beast TV show and things like that. So it's like, he, he's a, a nerd's nerd who loves this in in and out, you know, yeah. even th- bless you. My dog just, is that, is that just- uh, <laughs> he's got opinions, um, <laughs> but he, uh, yeah, he's got just this, this energy about him of having so much focus. And that's yeah. why he's one of the best interviews. I mean, he could be an awkward uh, interview, but like yeah. when you ask him a question, yeah. you're going to get this really like multifaceted sort of all these angles. Yep. Um, so it's exciting to me that even like in saying nothing, he had to emphasize how much he loved yeah. like what was going on. Say nothing but everything. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, I, I've mentioned before, but if you ever want a fun rabbit hole to go down, just type in George R. 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 Martin interviews on YouTube and there's an entire, uh, it rivals ASMR. It's just having so many choices. <laughs> To yeah. watch George it's so much, and it's like about the show, about the yep. this, about about you know who, what portrayals were the way yep. you thought, which the, ones weren't the way you thought, and and like to emphasize histories. what you said, mm-hmm. the first show also got it, and it's not like he's saying this is now the yep. one I like because we can see with our eyes this is in yes. continuity with the original show, it's in yes. canon with the original show, this is a prequel to that show, yeah. but it's also him saying. I'm freed up of yeah. maybe a lot of the storylines that because he what he's in his sixties or seventies now. Uh, yeah, yeah, late sixties at the earliest. I think he's in the in the seventies finally, which uh, which is an age uh, number that means a lot different than it did fifty years ago. So absolutely, yeah. but to, that to say, uh, I, I think a Game of Thrones what came out in ninety six. Yeah, he, that's a he probably looks at that guy and is like, that's a different man. So it's like, now he can have his sort of um, what he feels now, like this George yeah. would like, because for him watching game of Thrones, I can imagine that there was probably a, Oh, I did do that. Yeah. Mm, I don't know if I would have yeah. now like, so some of that. Absolutely. I look, some of my favorite stuff is him talking about the actors that, um, maybe did different interpretations of his book characters and him liking them and, and admitting that some of it might affect his future writing and just, you know, how could you write Baelish and not hear uh, Aiden Gillen in, in, in the back of your head at this point, all those kind of things. Absolutely. And one of the big things in talking about the theme and tone, it's like, yeah, and this, this to me is not a, it's not an indictment on, on, on GOT. It is, it is uh, me looking at house of the dragon thinking, yeah, they're going to continue that spirit. They can continue what I loved about game of Thrones. And you and I talk, we talk star Wars, we talk game of Thrones. 
In the Star Wars world, I want Star Wars to be hopeful, full of joy. I want it to be funny, wild, weird. It is a serial adventure. So when I go mm-hmm. to Star Wars, I look at things a little bit differently. The comments, the themes, choosing to fight, choosing a side, the value of that, uh, the danger of the pursuit of power. Game of Thrones has a lot of those themes, I think, that are that are similar because it's, it's epic fantasy, it's myth, it's those kind of things. But Game of Thrones definitely delivers it in a different package. And I find myself, and I really want to ask you this, I find myself, when walk, watching Game of Thrones, I might side with a character and their point of view that is actually uh, in direct opposition to something I love in Star Wars. Case in point, like Braun. When Braun mm. uh, fights uh, Servardus in, in season one and defends <laughs> and defends Tyrion and kills him and says, and as Liza Aaron screams, you did not fight with honor. And he's like, yeah, he did. I'm like, Braun's right. That's how you get through the world. Braun is right. But if that was in Star Wars, I'd be like, Braun has gone to the dark side. Gone, so yep. where do you, where do you is- find yourself in that kind <laughs> of, uh, you know, to the two towers of themes? We're in between them here. It's super interesting because I have that too with whether it's like the very like Machiavellian, like yeah. uh, the schemes and everything. Like I, nothing brings me more satisfaction in the Game of Thrones universe than when a plan comes together. Like example I always go to is Tyrion yeah. giving the small council members a different piece of information Beautiful. to see who the leak is. Yeah. Like it's incredible. And that to me, like I admire the intellect. I admire the the deviousness of that. Yeah. But then if it was happening in Star Wars from somebody like Watt Tambor or, or like even as high as like Palpatine with yeah. all his schemes, I'm like, well, what an untrustworthy, like <laughs> suspicious, like it in Star Wars, you want people that are yeah. like Avar Chris, that are yeah. like Ray, that are so open to other people. Yep. And it's all about openness and like trust. And then in Game of Thrones, I'll sit there and I'll be like, idiot, shouldn't have trusted them. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah. No, look, it, it's the, like, the, 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 the wine sip of justice from Cersei Lannister after killing all those people in the sept and Ugh. blowing them up. And, and she takes that wine sip and we as a Game of Thrones fandom collectively cheered. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that moment happens in uh, in, in Star Wars, but and I just I just I love it. I don't need them to sync up, and I I still think Game of Thrones, uh, especially all the way through season eight, does make comments on some of those choices and mm-hmm. the choice for Absolutely. vengeance and the choice. I think I look mostly at the hound the hound storyline. Whether that plays out differently in the book or not doesn't matter. The theme remains of him with that moment with with, with him turning to Arya and basically saying. You don't want this. Look what it turned mm-hmm. me into. You have a choice to walk away from that now, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of kick you down that path. I think that's a powerful moment in the show to say this. A lot of because along the way, I was always on the hound side of like how many Starks they got ahead for you to understand the way of the world. And, and I don't think he's wrong about some of that stuff, but uh, it, yeah. it, it it's a, there's a cost to it. I think Game of Thrones in the end does comment on that stuff, and it forced all of us. I know me. It forced me to look at my own desires to see Arya get hers. Yeah. Like Arya's you gonna, yeah. Arya's gonna take needle and stab Cersei and I'm going to cheer, throw up the horns. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it made you realize like, Oh, I'm going down that path in the way that star Wars, um, always yeah. tells you not to do. Um, star Wars doesn't play in the game of lesser evils. Yes. You know, like the, it doesn't play in, in gray, which you and I agree on, which is a huge contentious talking point. Yeah. But balance is the light side. Balance yes. is not equal amounts of both. In Game of Thrones, that is way less clear because yeah. something like the blowing of the, of the Sept, it's like, I know that Cersei's terrible, but God, I hate the High Sparrow. So let him yeah. go. And and, and, and and how the world and how her own family and how her own father treated Cersei and how, mm-hmm. you know, everywhere in the world, they hurt little girls. And uh, to me, it's, it's Cersei... Uh, you know, trying to uh, assert a little control finally. And uh, yeah, it's yeah. a weird thing. And yeah, when, when she says, I choose violence, I, there's not a person I know that isn't like, yep, that's great. Yeah. I choose violence. And that became a meme. That became <laughs> something people just say on the internet. I'm yeah. choosing violence today. And and the way that we can worship her, or worship a character like like Tywin. I give a shout out to my buddy, Nikki Kumar, mm-hmm. um, who co-hosts my Rebels Rewatch show with me. There's nary a day that we don't quote Tywin in some capacity. Yeah. It's his favorite character. We're, even Tywin. if it's just a Tyrion, <laughs> like just a, a little admonishing, like you are not on trial for yeah. being a dwarf. Yeah. Like unequivocally a terrible, terrible person, father, leader, yeah. but he's just so successful. And, and it makes you, that's what grabs you about the show. That's what makes you be able to watch yeah. his death or watch the blowing up of the sept and think, 
in your gut, like maybe it'll be different this time. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, look, yeah no, and I, yeah, me, me and Andres Cabrera, we love Tywin as well. Everyone who listens to the show now, I mean, his line, I mean, you are being counseled at this very moment. It's like one of the greatest lines ever, but you gotta, you gotta dig in. And that's maybe going back to the Dinklage thing, even with talking about uh, Martin and his wanting the dark, uh, visceral uh, epic fantasies. I think in that he, he, that's the way he talks about those lessons. I agree. I've always that statement of, yeah, he loves, clearly loves Tolkien, clearly loves Lord of the Rings, but you don't, you don't uh, get to hear about Aragorn's tax policies, which might complicate your view on him as a king. So George was like, let's dive in and learn about that. I, I don't think that going back to Dinklage thing, it's like, you and I can can and, and Nikki can can and Ace can can love Tywin, but if if we just stop there and don't dig into what the story of Tywin is telling us and how mm-hmm. he treated his family and that that is what brings him down and all these and it's the one thing he the dynasty that he wants to protect and he can't even love those who have his uh, his last name in his own house. I, it, it's valuable lessons and, and and you just have to make sure you don't stop on the surface. I think it's what Peter's saying and what George is putting in there. Yeah, I mean it's all over the show. I mean with yeah. with. With Tywin, with every character, there's always, there's always a, 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 maybe not with like Samuel Tarley, I shouldn't say always, but usually our heroes will go to a heinous place at least once. Our villains like Tywin, Tywin can even say, yeah, my father was a good man. He loved me. Terrible ruler though. Like there's immediately gray um, injected into all of this. And so it's almost like it satisfies different parts of your brain. It it does. Star Wars aspirationally. Yep. I go to Star Wars because I I wish I belonged there. Yeah, but really I know that most of us kind of belong here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's a great way to look at it. Star Wars is 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 what I would aspire to be. That's a great way to look at it. All that in Game of Thrones is the dirty, mucky reality that I go into my office when I had the job. <laughs> was, and I I mean I used to have in my my old security director days. I had the 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 throne on my in my office. <laughs> it's like yeah. uh, I am the king. I, I'm not going to tell anyone that because that means I'm not the king. Uh, this is a great final question here, and I love this conversation we're having, Alden. Here, but uh, this one comes from Oscar Film Forecast. I'd like to see Tywin and Palpatine have a discussion. I think that would be great because wow. I like this idea of 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 hear me out, hear me out here. Tyrion almost being like a light side version of Palpatine. That's a big, broad sweeping seg- segment, a statement. Mm-hmm. And it's probably not even fair, fair to Tyrion, but uh, there's some scheming and dreaming going on. And they both enjoy a good, you know, run through a, 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 a you know, power. They both enjoy the power. They both enjoy the yeah. game, but that'd be a fascinating conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, between Tyrion, Tyrion and Palpatine or Tywin and Palpatine. He said, Oh, 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 I read that. Oh, I read that wrong. He said Tywin. I read that Tywin. wrong. Way I, okay, less pleasant. but I will. I, you know, I, I now. I but I'm going to stand by the statement. I do want Tyrion's and his hopeful schemes and dreams, and I do yes. want Palpatine to talk. And then when they're done, Tywin can come in and go. He's so wrong, right? He does some things right, but he does. He's mostly wrong. Then they can have that conversation. Yeah, I think that Tywin would almost tell Palpatine, "You're doing too much," <laughs> like because Tywin was able to take. A diminishing gold mine and a family that really was far from their greatest heights. Yeah. And still rule. He ruled with image. Like Tywin is a PR master yeah. in a lot of ways. And I think that he would say, Yeah, you're engineering your wall from both sides <laughs> and spending resources irresponsibly. There's like, no gold. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So yeah, and Palpatine, I don't know what Palpatine would think of. A lot of those people. I mean, Palpatine would probably say, out of my way, out of my way, and just want to talk to Melisandre. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you know? Maybe take Mel as a, as a threat, too. Yeah, I think I mean, Palpatine's going to see everyone as, as a threat. And Tywin does, too, I think, to a certain degree. I think that's fair to say. But, yeah, it's fascinating. This kind of my dinner with Sheev type of uh, conversational series. Yeah. You and I are accidentally pitching this. I misread that, but now we've got a show we're pitching. My dinner with Sheev, and we just take every kind of key Game of Thrones character and sit them with Palpatine over uh, over some crumpets and maybe a tea, an English breakfast maybe for some characters, maybe if, if bronze there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Pod- Podrick with the wine. Podrick or Lancel. <laughs> Lancel. What kind of name is Lancel Lannister? <laughs> then get and, and, more. And, and Robert Brathy would be fascinated with Palpatine because that basically be Brathy going. I, I hate this. What are you? What are you doing? I, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to some uh, Twilight Pleasure House. I don't want it to do with anything in this. <laughs> It'd be uh, Grief Karga and and Robert. Yes. 
Yes. Go hit up, get get a, get a bunch of spice and grief, grief and Robert. The it, that's an interesting team. Uh, all right, Alden, we've uh, we've looked uh, into these headlines here, caught up on this stuff. Uh, thank you for joining me last minute here on Casterly Talk, a live version we're recording, but of course I release it as a podcast. Still uh, currently uh, housed on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Uh, of course, Good People Association is uh, no longer functioning as a company like it used to be, uh, but this podcast feed still exists. Um, so uh, we'll update you if there's a switching that here with Casterly Talk uh, and the rewatch will continue dig, digging into season four and I got to get you back in for a rewatch episode Alden so we can yeah. really just talk and talk and talk like tearing with some wine over themes in Game of Thrones absolutely we can get to the bottom of the uh, the honeycomb joke yeah, the the ongoing bit <laughs> yeah. throughout the show and yeah, all figure that, that out. We'll, we'll 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 get some wine live and we'll play the 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 lie the truths and lies game. Uh, I love that. I love that. I'd love to play that with Braun and Shay as well and Tyrion. Thank you, Heath. Thank you, Douglas, for your comments here. Uh, and Alden, before we check out, I want to make sure people know where they can find you and all the work you're doing. Uh, you love talking Star Wars and you're damn great at it. So where can they find you? Yes, I do love talking Star Wars, and thank you for those kind words. Uh, you can find me over on Octo Radio Star Wars Podcast. Uh, that's the podcast feed. It's three shows. So you got the one-on-one interview show with me, different people in the Star Wars space. There's the Mandatorian Creed, hosted by Tori Fox, where currently that's where the Boba Fett breakdowns are. Okay. So if you want to have some Boba Fett discussions after the episodes, we're going to be doing them there all season, as well as any other Boba tidbits we can get our hands on. Who knows? Maybe. I'm not saying tomorrow Morrison will pop up, yeah. but you know, <laughs> something. Uh, and then uh, also a rewatch Between Worlds, where we've been going back through all of Rebels um in the most in-depth way we can commentaries watching all the recons as if it was 2014 love it um getting crew members on hopefully some actors um so that's that's a big passion project yeah um and then yeah and then one and done film clubs another podcast i do and then you can find me everywhere uh, at that alden diaz he's back on twitter he got kicked off or locked out or something but uh, i was they they it was the sacking of alden's king's landing <laughs> sacking of alden's twitter land but he's back on uh thank you Alden. we'll do it again follow him listen to all those shows there uh and uh listen to casually talk follow me at catnapsuck or go to catnapsuck.com live every Wednesday on Twitch with Ken Goes Live and uploaded later to YouTube. I got Saturday Night uh, Napsock uh, bi-weekly and the music show Pop Rocket Radio on Mixcloud. If you like rock and or roll with a little pop thrown in, check that out as well. All right, my friends, we'll see you next time here on Casterly Talk.